0: Welcome to Telltales, an investing podcast hosted by Hunt Lawrence and Mike Nicoletti. As a reminder, nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you.
1: Oil pricing, um, uh, there's no difference between $71 or $70.50 and $69, but obviously it's a round number and it certainly attracts attention. Uh, gas, which uh, has been disappointing, is behaving pretty well. Uh, the hot weather we've had here in the Northeast helps. Uh, LNG is trading great. It's around $11 for JKM, which is the price in Japan, Korea, and China. Um, that's up from like $4 last July. Uh, it was $30. Now, remember, this is a stock price, not the contract price, but it was thirty dollars in January because everyone got short LNG, and then I thought it was, frankly, going to go back to four dollars, but and it headed down. and in, in April, it was got down to five or six, and but now it's eleven, so that's marvelous. Uh, LNG demand, all the the name plate demand for LNG exports in the U.S. is all all being filled, about eleven B's a day, uh, and uh, gas is you know three dollars for the rest of the year. It's backward is like oil, but it's behaving pretty well. Uh, in terms of oil pricing, uh, the IEA, which is all the consuming countries, uh, came out with this report saying that by 2050, uh, oil demand would be cut in half. Uh, the oil minister for Saudi Arabia, uh, saying he was quoting a movie, said that uh, that was that Wawa land, uh, not worth thinking about. Uh, Sechin, the CEO of Rosneft, which is half of Russian oil production, said pretty much the same thing. Uh, We will will see. Uh, There still is five or six million barrels of extra production uh, in OPEC plus uh, Russia. Um, uh, The the Iranians clearly are, are going to increase their production by a couple million barrels a day because sanctions are more or less off from the Biden administration. However, oil's behaving pretty well. Still heavily backwardated. The price out two or three years will be eight or nine dollars less than the current price. But that condition will probably persist. Uh, which companies to own? I think I think you gotta you know it's better to own the big companies, the ones that are living within cash flow and trying to have unit production growth. So that would be Pioneer. That would be POG. That would be Diamondback. In terms of gas companies. That pretty much all the Appalachian companies, EQT and Thermo, Cabot, which announced a merger into Simrex, all may make some sense. Um, I kid with one of my friends uh, in the business of investing in oil companies. The uh, famous stock market expression "fell in May and go away." I mean, there's been so much recovery in commodity prices, and I'm, I'm not sure how much more is left. Uh, in terms of general uh, commentary on the economy. Um I think uh, I was talking with Phil Crane earlier, uh, 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 a couple of technical stuff, a couple of technical issues. Uh, he made the point, which I think is right. It looks like gridlock may be uh, you know, maybe uh, may coming the order of the day in Washington. That's generally good. Uh, so maybe we don't see tax increases. Maybe we don't see as much excessive spending, uh, all that all that may be uh, good for stock market valuations. Uh, In terms of news, I'm going to get over to Mike pretty quickly here. I I was amazed to see uh, that the FBI claimed that they were able to uh, uh, re-acquire some of the Bitcoin that was paid by Colonial to this uh, group called DarkSide. Um, And going to get Mike on that in a second. And then I was also amazed to see that the Internal Revenue Service uh, was able to, um, um, uh, or or someone was able to either hack in or get some information uh, uh, to this entity called ProPublica, which is a a nonprofit uh, supported by wealthy people. Uh, What the, and the ProPublica, the head of ProPublica said, this is the most important uh, news story they've come up with. Um, The purpose of the organization is to do investigative reporting under the theory that, uh, until recently, uh, The Times and The Wall Street Journal and The Washington Post didn't have enough money to support investigative reporting. It turns out that they're all making more money from their digital editions than they are from advertising. So maybe they can have uh, reporters to do that work. Um, but uh, Mike and I were talking earlier, think about what they say they have. Uh, it sounds like they have tax records for 2,000 or more wealthy people for 15 years. Consider that each one of those people on average probably has a 1,000 pages of tax returns in a particular year. So that's 2 million pages a year times 15, 30 million pages. Uh, and with that, want to get Mike's commentary on on whether or not that could come from a hack or whether it has to have been someone inside the IRS. Over to you, Mike.
0: Sure, so I think that one thing to keep in mind is regarding hacking, we touched on last week, is that if someone has the technical skills and the the willingness to see it through, they're gonna figure out a way to get what they want. Um, This very well could have been a leak Versus a hack, um, but probably doesn't matter because I think ultimately it's the same thing. Somebody wanted access to this information, and they got it.
1: The uh, uh, how how is there any limit on the number of pages of data you can extract from someone's server? Or I mean, is it easy to take? Uh, Three million pages, or let's see, two times 15, 30 million pages. It is to take a hundred pages, or how to have, how if 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 you're if you're trying to collect information from someone else's servers, uh, how hard is it to get that many pages without being noticed or without or, or without being stopped?
0: So it's it's a good uh, it's a good point because modern. Um, Modern security and and um, cybersecurity systems do monitor traffic flow, so there certainly are uh, different hacking systems that try to make sure that they mask and disguise their traffic so that it looks like normal traffic. Um, so if you you know the 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 blunt way of just doing a big FTP file transfer out of a secure system that. That probably gets caught by most systems, although the IRS is admittedly um, behind the times when it comes to some of their security stuff. They said they weren't even sure if they had the ability to trace down whether somebody whether it was an inside job or not. So, um, so that all that is to say is that no, that it wouldn't prevent them from taking more or less. I would guess it has more to do with what they've accumulated, which is. Probably more files on more wealthy people, which is why they were. That's the data that was available to be stolen, or it's specifically what was targeted.
1: Right. I'm going to predict something here, which I don't. We'll, we'll check next week and the week after. Uh, I don't know whether you saw Warren Buffett's response to all this. Was he didn't mind having his tax records public? I think he said that he thought it. At one point, he put, you know, a tax return up on on the Internet. Um, um, uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. Uh, Bezos hasn't said anything. Uh, George Soros had an interesting comment. He said during that three-year period, the reason he didn't pay any taxes is he didn't make any money. Uh, And Bloomberg said he was, you know, marshalling uh, legal forces, because this was breaking the law. Um, I don't know exactly what the Pro Publico budget is a year, but I'm going to assume it's at least $20 million, all from wealthy people who believe that investigative reporting is important. I'll bet you there's huge pressure on that staff from their wealthy supporters to desist. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Personally, uh, I think that, that uh, these people uh, are should be willing to uh, have how much tax they pay be publicly uh, available. Uh, I understand that we want the IRS to you know, be confidential, our tax returns. But I think past a certain level, uh, we, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have a practice just like our politicians, of maybe not turning out your whole tax return, but at least something indicating uh, how much money you you uh, you paid in taxes, and, and and also some disclosure on your uh, you know on your philanthropic activity, uh, uh, which you know money given away is, is deductions. Um, I think it I think frankly it'd be healthy, and we'll see what happens. Switching over to Bitcoin, I was just amazed to see these people get their $4 million in ransom and then have the have the FBI apparently able to reclaim uh, uh, half or more of it. Uh, in talking with Mike earlier, he said that uh, some of it might still have been in the Coinbase system and that might have assisted recovering it. Over to you, Mike.
0: Sure. So... What I thought was most what was interesting is last week on Friday, I think it was FBI issued a statement saying that they're going to treat ransomware attacks with the same level of um, scrutiny as they do with domestic, with terrorism. So they're, they're clearly setting up like, we're going to go after this stuff and take it really seriously. Um, this, the, the blockchain is public. So it's one of the really interesting things about this. This is sort of a win for it's actually a win for crypto cryptocurrency, but it's also a win for people uh, for, for the FBI in this case, because they were able to track down where this wallet was and they, f- they figured out that it was under uh, Coinbase. and you can do this. Um, actually, if you go on the internet, you can, there's a tool that you can use to view the blockchain and see where this goes. And I don't, Totally understand the way it works, but um, at the end of the day, I was able to pull up the same piece of information that they were using um, to track down this wallet. Identify that it was at Coinbase. Now, our initial assumption was that Coinbase cooperated with the FBI in order to seize the funds. However, um, Coinbase has since then, um, and maybe it was today. I just just read this. um, Denied the claim that they were working with the FBI. and the the, cons- the the current perspective is that the FBI's breach of the wallet um, held by the cyber criminals criminals uh, was not a uh, security vulnerability in crypto uh, blockchain or anything like that. It was actually has to do with using um, impro or low quality passwords. Um, so whether they figured out through other communication means with, with the dark side group, whether they had some other intel that was enabled them to get access to the keys, um, we don't really know, but the, the, the running theory right now is that um, they were able to hack into it directly. Oh, interesting. We have some uh,
1: investment uh, I won't call it recommendations, but discussion. Um, the, the, uh, in terms of, of, uh, leaving your money or your securities, uh, I believe, and I'll lay out a case and then we'll ask Mike for his comment. I think being, you know, having your, your cash resources or securities in a larger organization rather than a smaller organization makes sense. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to say these are the only three, but JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, to me, make more sense than some others um, because uh, those entities have huge budgets that they can spend on security. And given how much ransomware apparently happened. Know, prior to the colonial publicity uh, it, it does seem as though that any system almost any system can be hacked into maybe not the IRS maybe that was you know an inside uh, you know someone working inside passing all that information out um, so that's one point and uh, and uh, uh, the next point before we get Mike's take on it is, it seems to me, from an investment point of view, that um, that the Amazons, Googles, Microsofts, uh, somewhat exclude Apple, Google, maybe Oracle, um, and remote servers are a more secure way to hold information. Uh, same theory, that they have more capacity to provide security uh, to be aware of hacking uh, techniques and that uh, because of that, 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 you know, they're all awfully expensive. But if you're trying to predict who's going to increase their cash flow, let's say their free cash flow after all, CapEx by 10 or 15% a year for the next five years, one of the things that's in favor of those companies. Uh, Uh, is that they are large, they can afford the security, and people increasingly be security conscious. But with that, over to you, Mike, for your comment.
0: Sure. Uh, So large versus small organizations. Um, So in general, the the concept that the larger the company is, the more resources they're gonna have is correct. And it also means the larger the organization is, the older it is, the probably more um, experience they have with dealing with hacks. Now, hacks back in the day was bank robberies, right? That's sort of a thing in the past. Hacks nowadays are completely different. Um, the downside to the legacy banks in general is that they're generally running more legacy systems, and legacy systems tend to be more, more Uh The flip side is a, a digital bank or a startup bank will be more likely to run a little fast and loose. Um, so that's riskier. But, the, but the, the other side of the coin is that they they also will be able to use with the latest technologies, and that may make things better. At the end of the day, uh, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I I don't think anybody should be concerned about having their money at one of the major banks. Um, I I actually don't even really think you should be concerned about your account balance square or, um, or PayPal, for that matter. Again, anybody that's large enough that that you're able to transact with on a day to day basis, I think you're you're in a you're in a, a good circle um, when it comes to that. Uh, as far as the cloud providers go and big tech, um, and the well, let's talk about the security of cloud versus self hosted. Um, there, there's a few layers to cloud, right? So you can have software as a service. I so think you're paying for Salesforce sales cloud for example you do a contract with salesforce and in that contract you're gonna you're doing an enterprise-wide contract with a fortune 500 or you know even a mid-cap company in that you're gonna have some security requirements and you're gonna offload that risk to salesforce that's just one of the benefits of using that using a, a software as a service versus a homegrown system because that homegrown si- system not only do you have to build it keep it running etc you also have to secure it so um so i think one of the things to take away from all this is companies that are still doing their own homegrown or still running legacy servers are increasingly at more risk because there's fewer of them out there Um, and it, it really boils down to incentives right salesforce is happy to spend a ton of money to secure their um their their service because a hack to their systems would tarnish their brand reputation which would make it harder for them to close new customers so I, I think all of this really boils down to where do the incentives align? And in general, for most companies, there's not a lot of incentive to, to invest a lot of money in cybersecurity. So you want to offload that risk to somebody who can take advantage of that incentive risk. We have another thought. It's like, yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe. Uh... Maybe you think we should rehearse more. You can email Diane and emails will reach us. But another thing we've come up with is that um, all the publicity on the, the, uh, a leak out of the Wuhan lab being responsible for COVID, uh, uh, We uh, I uh, read one account, and I'm sure this overstates the case, but basically the, the, the writer was saying that uh, there are 40 labs worldwide that have the same capability as that Wuhan lab. Now, I'm sure they're not doing gain-of-function on on uh, viruses extracted from bats. I doubt if even a few of the 40 are doing that. However, uh, uh, <clears throat> it, it does present, I think, uh, a risk that that... that despite the vaccines, the RNA, you know the achievements of Moderna, and biotech biotech, uh, the, uh, the for the Pfizer uh, uh, vaccine, uh, it is conceivable I think that that we could have if this happened from a lab leak, uh, it could happen again and maybe they're some part of those 40 labs where things are going on where, You 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 know you could have something that would have not as much impact as COVID has had, but something in that line. There are two stocks that the two of us kind of like. Uh, If if you had variants or more lab leaks or whatnot, and uh, and we don't want to be too specific on these. And I mean we don't want anyone selling these things if they're in them. We don't want anyone. uh, prematurely taking a position. But the two that, after reading all the 10 Qs, uh, or not all the 10 Qs, but the interesting 10 Qs, the two that stand out are uh, Zoom Video and Moderna. Now, why do they stand out? Well, they're both, <clears throat> in terms of market value, first of all, they have great balance sheets. They have no debt, and they have billions of dollars of cash on account. Uh They're trading in the range, they're both in the range of 80, 90 billion dollars. Uh, uh, the, the free cash flow, uh, from Moderna. I mean, Moderna, the first quarter is the first time Moderna's ever reported revenues, even, but it looks like Moderna has free cash flow in the range of, I don't know, four or five, $6 billion, something like that would be a reasonable number for this year. Uh, Zoom video also had a very good quarter. Uh, now, will there be as much? Use of uh, of Zoom, you know, without as many people working at home or uh, or or you know not traveling, uh, hard to say. Uh, you you would have to think that that uh, as as things open up and uh, as the viruses uh, as the vaccines uh, work against uh, variants, uh, that 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 you know whatever their cash flow is this year. It would be less in 22 and then maybe less again in 23. Mike made a very good point that that's true. And maybe at these valuations trading at like two or 3% free cash yields where the, the prospect may be for declining cash flow. So in other words, if you buy Amazon at two or 3% free cash yield or one and a half or 2%, but it's growing 15% a year, uh, you know, your total return, as long as that valuation remains, should be 15% a year. If you buy something like Moderna or or or, or uh, Zoom Video at uh, you know like a three or four percent free cash yield, and the free cash flow is coming down, you know you're you're going to be disappointed. So the way Mike put it was uh, get these uh, uh, you know because of the expectation that, that we won't need as much vaccine. We won't need as much uh, 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 Zoom capacity, uh, video capacity, uh, if we got them down so they were trading like value stocks, then they'd be okay, because even if they had flatter declining cash flow, the fact they had good margins, good balance sheets, and it started a dividend and whatnot, you'd always have the upside if, if there were more need for vaccines in Materna's case, or more, more need for working remotely in Zoom's case, you'd have the upside, you wouldn't be paying for it. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Mike. I mean, I would say, roughly speaking, you'd have to get each of them down to about half where they're trading. I mean, uh, uh, Moderna's around roughly 200, Zoom video's around 300, so that would be 100 on on, uh, Moderna uh, Moderna and, you know, uh, 150 on Zoom video. But uh, I mean, that is very, very, very imprecise. And with that, we'll get a commentary from Mike. And then we have about two or three or four minutes left. And and uh, and then we'll be back on next Wednesday. But over to you, Mike.
0: Sure. So uh, thinking for both of those, I think what you're pointing out here is that we should always have a buy list of things that we would be interested in if the price were more reasonable. And, you know, what we've seen over the course of the last year is a lot of the stocks that help fuel digitization have become highly valued. And Zoom Video Moderna a perfect example um, that potentially may have declining forward cash flows. I don't know if I'd put a number on it, but Zoom Video, if I'm looking at it a year from now, I would guess that, like you said, cash flows are gonna be lower on a per share basis. Um, The question I would ask myself if it got down to half of where it's trading at right now on a a cash flow per share basis, I would probably want to... I would be poking around to figure out whether it's a value trap or a value play? Because the, the question on Zoom is, are people transitioning to a different video platform? Or um, Because frankly, if that's the case, it's, it's just not that sticky. Um, I would also, if that were the case, if Zoom were trading down that low, I would assume that a lot of the other digitization plays, um, such as HubSpot, Salesforce, um, even Microsoft would probably be trading at. Discounts. so you, you'd want to compare what's there. But um, back to the point, uh, keeping a buy list is is really important. Moderna is another one. Um, we, Hunt and I talked quite a bit about it today. Just you know, the things that could happen. We you can never predict the next pandemic, but I think what we learned through uh, this vaccine development is that mRNA vaccines are incredibly effective. They're, they can be developed rapidly. They're on a relative, I mean, considering the amount of time we had to study these things before we push them uh, to the population, we were were seeing that they're very safe too. So, you know, in the future, when things happen, ideally, we're able to squash them quicker. Um, Does that mean global, does that mean an annual shot of the latest booster of all the latest variants of everything that's out there? Maybe your maybe your flu shots get to be a lot better. Um, it's hard to say, but same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years, Moderna sees a, a slump because you know everybody's already vaccinated. So I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. But keep your buy list and yeah. be sure to check it because what they're talking about in the news is generally not the thing to buy on a given day.
1: Yeah, and. Mike makes a very good distinction between value trap and, and a good value investment, and uh, something we always have to be careful about. But uh, uh, we, we, uh, we will, having, having kind of put this thesis forward on Zoom and, uh, and Moderna, we, I promise you, uh, we do this 52 weeks a year, unless Wednesday falls on a Christmas day or something. Uh, I promise you, we will uh, we will follow Moderna and Zoom pretty carefully. With that, everyone everyone have a, a good, healthy uh, week. And we'll we'll be back on uh, the same time next Wednesday. Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in to us again next week as we'll be back on Wednesday. As a reminder, nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is
1: suitable for you.